Hold your Bibles up. Let's pray a, let's pray a prayer over what we're about to hear. We're going listen, to um, listen to what I think God wants to talk to us about tonight about serving. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost. Born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into death. And on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. And right now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. God's holy church. The communion of saints. The forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body. And the life everlasting. Amen. There's a desire in every person in this room to matter. There's a desire inside of me that I want to do something with my life that matters, that I want to leave a mark, I want to leave an imprint. I don't want to just die and my life is over with, but I want to, when I've lived the last breath of my life, when I have exhaled it, that I have left and made a difference in this world for the better, that because I walked on this earth, other people are better because of it. And I think that inside of every one of us, there is a desire to matter. I want to matter. I want to make a difference. I want my life to have mattered. I want to exist, not to just exist. I want to breathe, not just to breathe, but I want to breathe in order to give life to other people. My kids years ago, this was many years ago, probably was somewhere around eight years ago. My, we were on vacation. My father-in-law was hanging out with, my, with Addison, Carson, and Braden, and he asked them what they wanted to be when they grew up. So well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And Addison said, I want to be, this, Addison um, ha had a, um, several different options for her life. She said, well, I'd like to be a teacher, but I'd also like to be a chef, but I'd also like to be a missionary. And so she had, she had and, and, and Papa was like, you can do all of those things. We don't really have a name for that, but you can do all of those things. Carson said, um, I love animals. I want to be a veterinarian. And, uh, Pawpaw was like, that's, so, that's great, Carson. I, I, I think that you'll be a great veterinarian. And Braden said, <clears throat> I want to be Captain America. <laughs> and uh, and, and, and um, the kids were, laughed at him, and he said, um, Carson, I, I, I want to, when you become a veterinarian, I want to come to your vet, and I want to get a puppy from your vet. From your vet. And Carson says, I'm not going to give you one. <laughs> and Braden said, I'm going to take my shield and cut your head off. That's my, this is my kids making a difference right there. It was just last year. No, I'm just kidding. But it was about eight years ago. <clears throat> At the end of the day, I think that we all want to matter. I think we all want to, we all want to do something in the world that, that, that makes a difference. I think it's on the inside of us. Sometimes it gets hidden by a lot of cultural expectations and conditioning, but it's there on the inside of us. Every one of us at some point or another, we're going to think this thought, does my life matter? What am I doing in this life that's about something other than me? And there's, it's down in there, it's hidden down in there, what you're supposed to do with your life. 
who you are to be and what you're supposed to do is hidden. You know, um, how many of you guys like Disney World? So, so I, just so that you know, Disney World is, um, I don't know if you believe in magic or not, but I just want you to understand that magic happens at Disney World. Real life whimsy and grandeur happens at Disney World. Um, at Disney World, there, if you go, I went for, I've been very many times. I've been a lot of times. I lived down in Central Florida for about five years of my life. Um, I lived about uh, 45 minutes from Disney World. <clears throat> and I, um, you can't do this now, so I don't mind telling you this. I didn't always pay to go to Disney World. Um, there was a time in my life where I took it upon myself to be, um, to sneak into all of the parks that I could possibly sneak into. And uh, so it was me and my friends, and we would have a good time sneaking in. But I would go to Disney World regularly, and I, um, one time I decided it was me and my friend Israel, and I had this brilliant idea. I was at Bible college, which I know this is going to be incongruent with the story that I'm about to tell you about um, stealing. But I, but I was at Bible college. We were studying to be ministers. And uh, I looked at my friend Israel. Israel was one of those kind of friends that I could say anything to him. Hey, let's go do this or let's do this. And he would say, really? Okay. Always. I mean, that was his answer. Oh, really? Okay. So one night, um, the school that I went to, uh, we had a curfew. We had to be in at a certain time. We had to be in at midnight. So it was about 1130 at night. It was almost curfew. And I looked at Israel and I said, man, I'm just in the mood for sneaking in to Universal Studios. And I've got a brilliant idea. And Israel goes, really? Okay. I said, here's what I want to do. I think this would be brilliant. Let's go ahead and leave now. The park's closed. We'll go ahead and sneak into the park, and we'll hide in the bushes. And when the park opens, we'll already be there. We won't even have to sneak in with security and stuff. We'll already be in the park. And he said, really? Okay. So we, we drove out at like 11.45. We leave as curfew is about to hit. We drive out to Universal Studios, and uh, we, get, we get to the park. We sneak into the park. We, we, we lay down in the bushes. It's by, by now, by the time we've gotten in, it's about 2 o'clock at night in, in the morning. And we begin to settle in like we're about to, we're just going to sleep here tonight. I was in college. I could sleep anywhere. I could eat anything. I could put anything into my stomach and not throw up, and I could sleep anywhere. None of that is true anymore. So I, um, we snuck in. We laid down. We have not been laying down in the bushes for more than five minutes when the sprinkler system comes on. It just starts drilling us in the face. Just drilling us in the face. So we jump back over, and we go get in his car. And I, and I say to him, hey, we're not giving up this easy. We're sneaking in tomorrow. And he says, really? Okay. So we go to sleep in the car. I'm just telling you, we go to sleep in the car. We slept in the car. No, you can't do this unless you're like a college kid. We sleep into the car. We sleep in the car to 11 a.m. the next morning. Who sleeps in a car till 11 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> Who can do that? So we sleep in the car. We wake up. We walk around the entire park. That because I don't know if you know this, there's a street that goes basically sitting in, on city blocks. We're around the end and we find the best place to sneak in. So we sneak into this park, um, and, and here's our plan. We find this place, and there's this giant, there's this giant fence. It's about this tall, as tall as the, um, 
the, the rail is right here. It's giant fence. So we climb up this fence. And on the other side of the fence are these huge hedges that are just as tall. And I'm thinking, hey, if we can get over the fence and, and through the hedges to grandmother's house, we'll go. Um, well, the horse knows the way in. So anyway, uh, if we can just get over, we will, we'll, we'll figure out where we are. So we climb up, and I, and I climb up, and then I just kind of jump poof, down into the dishes. I mean, uh, bushes. <laughs> Whatever. And so... So I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to figure out where we are. I'm trying to look through the hedges and figure out where we are. And all of a sudden, I hear this, ah! And I hear trees cracking. And Israel comes falling down on me. And I go, ah! So, so we're, and, I, and so I'm so scared because he's made so much noise that we're going to get caught. I jump out of the hedge. I just go, And I'm in line for E.T. Let's go. All right. So I'm in line for E.T., the extraterrestrial. And I think to myself, and people are looking at me going, where did this guy just come from? And I've got this stupid evil grin on my face. And, so, and I think, I better make a run for it. So I get out of line, and I start walking real fast through the park. I'm like this. And all of a sudden, I hear Israel behind me. He's way behind me. And I hear him go, Sam's, Sam's. And I'm walking I'm like, Sam's. And I turn around, I'm like, well, let's go. And he says, and he's walking like this. And I go, what are, you, what are you doing? And he goes, and there is a giant gash in his shorts from here to his knee. And for some reason, he's wearing purple bikini underwear. And I go. So I walk faster. <laughs> and I just laugh. We laugh for days. Uh. So we played at Universal for the rest of the day. And um, I won't tell you how we solved that problem, uh, but we solved it. We figured out a solution. Um, one of us was wearing boxers, and they loaned it to the other one, and everything was okay. So, <clears throat> so, so, here's, so, so, it, so I used to, so I always thought it was fun to sneak. So I have, I have stories about sneaking into pretty much every park down in Orlando. And, um, and so... Disney World, I used to go into Disney World. Sometimes I would pay, sometimes I wouldn't. Um, and and I, uh, we, it was years before I began to recognize, I started noticing something. Did you, have you guys ever heard of the Hidden Mickeys? Has anybody ever heard of it? So y'all, some of y'all have heard of the Hidden Mickeys. So apparently at Disney World, in order to have just a little bit of fun, the employees will hide different Mickey symbols. And so I want to show you a few of them tonight because I think that you might think that they're cool. But so this is over on Thunder Mountain. Anybody ever ridden Thunder Mountain? So Thunder Mountain, this is at Thunder Mountain. Here's what you're going to notice for these hidden Mickeys. There's going to be, there's going to be the face and then the two ears. Now, you're, now, now, now what's going to be funny is you're going to go to Disney World and all of a sudden they're all going to be popping out to you all of the time. You're just going to see them all the time. So this is one of them. Here's another one you might have seen before. So this one's real tiny. This is over at the, um, I forgot, but anyway, it's at one of the Disney World. Um, anybody remember where that is? Do you really know where it is? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's at there. All right. So here's that one. That one's kind of hidden. Here's another one right here. This is in the um, other, but it's really cool. So, it, so you're just, there's these hidden Mickeys. And then here's another one. You've probably seen this one driving to Disney World. Anybody seen that? If you've been driving on I-4 right there from from. Tampa to Lakeland, I mean to uh, Orlando, you might see that. Anybody, do y'all see that? 
And then here's one. Look really close. That one's pretty cool. That's, it. That's a rock and roller coaster. I heard somebody say that. That's that rock and roller coaster. See the cords? Are you, did everybody find it? Anybody still not see it? Too bad. All right. So what happens is, is there's all of these hidden Mickeys. Once you know they're there, once you see them, all of a sudden they all start jumping out at you. You'll be at Disney World and you'll see them everywhere. They're all over the place. So some of y'all are going to Disney World this year. I want you to think about these hidden Mickeys. When you go, you're going to start seeing them everywhere. They're everywhere. There are gifts that are hidden on the inside of you. They're all there. They're deep down. And, and what happens is, is when we don't know how to look for them, when we don't know how to look for them, we don't see them. We don't know that we're supposed to be looking for them. But, the, but one of the things that Jesus has called us to do is to serve. He wants us to serve. And one of, the way that we serve is by using our gifts. So until you begin to serve... It is extremely hard to discover your gifts. Did you hear that? I want you to understand this. I want everybody to get this because this is super important. Until you begin to serve, until you begin to do things in the name of Jesus, it is extremely difficult to discover your gifts. But when we make a commitment that, Jesus, I want to serve you and I want to serve your church, I want to serve your community, I want to serve people that you are calling me to serve, all of a sudden what starts happening is you begin to see these gifts and they're everywhere. You go, oh, I didn't even know I could do that. I didn't know I could say that. I didn't know I could speak that. I didn't know I could play that. I didn't know I was so good with kids. I didn't know that I was so good with people. I didn't know that I was so good using my hands to build things. All of a sudden these gifts start popping out everywhere. And I want us to be a youth ministry where we serve so much that gifts pop out all of the time. Just this discovery place of finding gifts where we begin to see them everywhere. Everywhere I look, I look over here and I see, yes, you have that gift and that gift and that gift and all of you. And you, we all, these, like these hidden gifts that begin to come out because we're serving. In Matthew chapter 25 Verse 34 through 30, it says, Then the king will say to those on the right, this is, a, this is a, um, an image or a parable about what it will look like one day when we go to heaven. When we're in heaven one day, the, the Jesus is the king in this case. Then the king will say to those on the right, For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing, naked, not to be confused with naked. Do you, never mind. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply. This is us. Then we'll say to Jesus, Lord, hopefully we don't say it quite that country. Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or, or, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I'll tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it as unto me. You want to serve Jesus then find one of the least of these and serve them. That's the way you serve Jesus. So I want to give you, real quick, I want to give you five thoughts on how do I serve. What do I do to serve? Like you say, Pastor me. okay, Jesus is calling me to serve. He's telling me that he wants me to serve. And the way that I discover my gifts is by serving Jesus. And the way that I serve Jesus is by serving his church and by serving his community. 
How do I serve? So let me give you just five quick thoughts on how do we serve. The first one is this. The first one is, is you give your time. Time is a commodity, and we've got to think about time as a commodity. We've got to begin to think about time as something that we have that we are to steward. It's something that you and I have that once it is spent, we never get it back. You and I will never live this day again, ever. It's gone. And what you did today with your time matters. And what Jesus is calling us to do is to give our time. How can I give my time? What do I do to give my time? I can tell you how you don't give your time. Let me tell you a good thing to do. You guys know I'm going to harp on this to the day I die. Look at your phone and see how much time you spend on it. Because if you're spending inordinate amounts of time on your phone, that means you're not spending time serving Jesus. Rarely can you spend time on your phone and serve Jesus at the same time. But you give your time. When I was, um, this was probably about, gosh, eight or ten years ago, I had a, um, I had a couple in my youth ministry, they, they were dating. And um, the girl began, uh, she was only, a, I think she was a junior in high school, and um, somehow she started working with young people. She just started working with kids, serving kids. Back then, it wasn't called Big City Studios at the church. It was called something else. It's called KOTR, Kids on the Rock. Kids on the Rock, it was called KOTR. She started working at KOTR. That just comes right off the tongue, Cotter. She started working at Cotter. And uh, she invited her boyfriend to come with her. She said, hey, I think this will be fun. Let's, let's, let's work with these kids. And they began to work with kids. And I remember talking to them shortly after they started working with kids, maybe a year after working with kids. And I said, guys, you, what do you think? You he, and, and I remember the guy saying to me, this is amazing. I had no idea that I liked kids until I started working with kids. And I have so much fun. I am going to change what I planned on being and doing in college to have something to do with kids. And they began to work with kids for the next eight years. It might have been six years, but either way, it was six or eight years. It's been a long time. And right now, when Pastor Joel left, our pastor, Jay, asked Zach and Kayla to lead our children's ministry in the interim time while, while we were waiting to hire another children's pastor. And that's how they discovered that that's what they were good at. And now they lead the entire children's ministry of our church, hundreds of kids every single month. And if you go sign up to work at Big City or you go sign up to work at the Bayou or in Critterland, you're going to work under Kayla and Zach. And they discovered that they love to work with kids sitting right here and said, you know what, let's go serve. And one of the ways that we serve is we have to give our time. We don't just sit here and soak it up. We don't just sit here and say, how is Jesus going to feed me? We say, how can I feed Jesus? How can I serve him? How can I care about him? You guys, listen. I'm going to say something that might surprise you, but look, you hear enough lessons and sermons. You don't need to hear a sermon every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night and every Sunday school. You don't have to hear all those sermons and lessons. Go serve. You got enough sermons. Hebrews tell us if we could just live to what we, if we could just do what we've already heard, we'd never need to hear another thing. You've heard, most of you in this room have heard all the Jesus you need to hear. Just go live it now. But one of the ways that we serve is we give our time. Number two is that we share our talent. Share your talent. So one is, number one is give your time. Number two is share your talent. I had a, I had a kid when I was in Atmore, Alabama, South Alabama, in the year 2000. In the year 
2000. Y'all don't understand, but it was in the year 2000. And as a kid, his name was Josh. And Josh was an absolute, it was, I've told a story about Josh and that before. This is a different Josh. So this Josh, he was a rambunctious, he, 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 was a, he was a pain in the rear end. Let me just say that. But he discovered that, his parents discovered that if they put a guitar in his hands, that he had like this focus and he enjoyed to play the guitar. If he wasn't playing the guitar, he was all over the place getting in trouble. He was obnoxious. He was rambunctious. He was just, but he put a guitar in his hand. All of a sudden, he began to play the guitar. Over the next several years, he became an amazing guitar player. What we didn't know is how good of a singer he was, and he now is the worship leader at the church and has been for 10 years because he discovered his talent and began to use it. He began leading worship in the youth ministry. He began leading worship as a backup singer on, on, a, um, on Sunday mornings, and now he leads worship for the church. He is the worship leader, the paid worship leader for the church. You and I have talents on the inside of us that God is calling us to serve with. Number three, so the first one is give your time. The second one is share your talent. The third one is invest your treasure. What is it that is dear to you? What is it that matters to you? What is it that you care about? And how can you give it back to Jesus? It's easy for us to talk about money. That's an easy one for us to talk about. I will tell you this. You've heard me say this many times. I'll tell you this. We do a disservice to young people when we tell you that you need to give so that God will give back to you. That's not God's greatest gift to you. God's greatest gift that he can give to you regarding money is that he gives you a proper understanding of the value of money. That money isn't the most important thing. That what we are given by Jesus is, is ours to steward and he trusts us with it so that we'll give it back to him and do things that serve him. And what happens when we give, and the greatest place to learn to give is now. It is by far the greatest place for you to learn to give. It's hard to start giving when you're 30 years old. Trust me, we have men and women in our church that try to begin to give at 30 years old, and it's hard. But if you'll start learning to give now, if you'll start learning to, it, when, whenever, you, whenever you get birthday money or whenever you get, um, whenever, you, whenever you have a job, many of you, half of you in this room have a job, if you'll give God Part of that money, you'll begin to learn, this is what Jesus will do. This is what he's going to do. This is the most important thing. Sometimes he'll give money back to you, but that's not the most important thing he does. The most important thing he will do is he will change your understanding of the value of money. He'll begin to do something on your heart that changes the way that you feel about stuff. What I've found is that many people who aren't givers have a terrible understanding and value of stuff. They need things and they want things that they just don't have to have. But when you begin to give, all of a sudden you begin to, all of a sudden you start looking at things and you say, you know what, that's not quite as important as I thought it was. That new pair of jeans, even though I have six pairs in the closet, I probably don't need that. That brand new car that I wish my parents would give me, I'm driving a pretty good car. That brand new cell phone, even mine works perfectly fine and I got an iPhone 8, maybe I don't need the iPhone X for $1,200. All of a sudden, you begin to value things differently, and that's what's so important that God does in our hearts. He allows us to understand the value of things. Tiffany and I, when I was, um, it was my very first year of ministry, Tiffany and I were saving up for a car. I, I, uh, I, was, driving a, I was driving an old car, and um, I was saving up for a car, and uh, one night, 
a missionary came to our church, and I, f- I felt like I heard God whisper to, to, to me, you need to give your car money to, to, to God, to me, to the missionary. And so I looked over at Tiff, and I said, Tiff, I feel like God's telling us. And she says, I know. And I went, okay, that's close enough. That's, that's like, how could that not be God? And so we gave our car money. And this is what I thought God was going to do. I thought that because I was faithful, God was going to give me a new car. I just knew somebody was going to come up to me in the church and be like, you know what? God laid you on my heart. Here's a brand new 65 Corvette. I just knew that that was what was going to happen. But it didn't happen. And I drove that car for the next 10 years. Now listen to this. This is what was crazy about it. It was an old car. I drove the car for the next 10 years. And I didn't even realize this until I was thinking about it 10 years later. I began to think about, somebody was telling me about having car trouble, and I went, oh, when was the last time I put my car in the shop? And I went, oh, I've never put my car in the shop. I've never had a car problem in the history of this vehicle. Only thing I've ever done, ever, is I put some new tires on it one time, once in 10 years, And I got oil changes every six months or so, which was probably wasn't enough. And I think that God was trying to show me, hey, you don't just need new stuff and you don't need a 65 Corvette. I'm going to take care of you. Serve me with your treasure. The fourth thing is this. I'm going to finish up fast. The The first thing is give your time. Two is share your talent. Three is invest your treasure. Four is encourage somebody with your talk. Some of you are saying right now, I'm so busy. I don't have a lot of time. I don't have any money. Let me tell you one of the greatest things you can do. Be an encourager. How can you encourage someone with the way that you speak? We are told, we are conditioned by our culture to tear down. That's how we're conditioned. I remember being in high school. It wasn't that long ago, just 25 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. And I remember thinking, I remember being there, and it was just the fun thing I had. I sat next to a friend of mine named Nathan, and he thought it was the funnest thing. He would ask me to help him just rip, rip, uh, rip people. He called it ripping. Let's rip that guy. And he just wanted to just jab people, just rip them, say the, and, we, and he started this file. We were in, this is how long ago it was. We were in keyboarding class where we learned how to type, but he and I figured out a way where we could steal the work off of someone else's computer screen and put it on our computer screen, and we never learned how to type, the, which was so cool in the moment that, that because we were able to show work that we didn't do until I got to college and I had to write a bunch of papers, and I didn't know how to type except like this. <laughs> so joke's on me. So... Nathan, was, Nathan began this file on his computer. Instead of doing our typing work, he started a file on the computer with different, like, rips that he could tell people. And it was, it was like hundreds. And he would just pull some of them out. Man, one of the greatest things you can do as a young person is to be, become an encourager where you lift people up and you value them and you show, you're able to identify the things inside of someone that is special. When you can identify the special inside of somebody, you are becoming Christ-like. Jesus had this innate ability to look at someone who had been a no one and to call out greatness out of them. He was so good at it. He looked at this reprobate tax collector named Zacchaeus that was about this tall. And he looked at Zacchaeus and he spoke greatness out of Zacchaeus. He looked at these these broken down fishermen that weren't even very good at fishing and spoke greatness into them and they started churches all over the world and we are here today because of them. He was brilliant at seeing broken people and calling out greatness and you have the very same ability. All you got to do is try. 
What is it about the person sitting next to you that's special, that's brilliant, that's awesome, that's different, that's, that you can call out, that you can identify? When's the last time you looked at one of your friends? Look, I will tell you this. It feels weird to encourage somebody. And that's what's so stupid, that it doesn't feel bad when we say something dumb about somebody. It feels weird or awkward when we say something kind. Have you ever noticed that? If you, say, if you look at somebody and say, hey, I really like that outfit. I really like that shirt. People are like, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with it? Did they really just say something nice? What's wrong with you? That's broken, right? That's jacked up. Encourage me to talk. And lastly is this. Share your story. Every one of you in this room have been changed by the power of Jesus Christ or have the opportunity to be. Tell people about it. How do you serve? View every moment of your life as an opportunity to share the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done in your life and is doing in your life. None of us in this room are perfect. So don't feel like you got to have all your stuff together before you start talking about how Jesus has changed you. I've been walking with Jesus for 38 years, and I'm still a buffoon at Christianity. I'm still a buffoon. I still do stupid, the dumbest little things. I, I, I wish that I just did small sins, but I do stupid stuff sometimes. I'm still a buffoon, but I'm not going to stop telling you about Jesus changing me. I could do dumber stuff. I could, I could, be, I could be worse, but Jesus is changing me. Jesus has changed my life, and God is calling you and me to tell everybody you don't have to be a kook to do it. You don't have to stand on the lunchroom table to share your faith. You don't have to have a microphone. You just have to look at the person sitting next to you at the lunch table and say, hey, man, I know we don't often talk about church or Jesus or whatever, but, man, do you go to church anywhere? It's that simple. Hey, you go to church anywhere? You'll be surprised what that question alone will open up. Hey, do you go to church anywhere? They'll be like, yeah, I do. Really, where do you go? Well, when I go, I go to, and now you got this open door. Hey, you want to come hang out with me one night, Wednesday night? It's that simple. Why would I want to come with you? Let me tell you about what Jesus is doing in my life. Tonight, I want to give you a, uh, instead of us coming to the altar tonight, I want to give you a different response. And it's this. Many of you already serve in some way, but I want to give so many of you in this room an opportunity as well. If you have this in front of you, you look at it. <clears throat> it has a, it has a, um, it's laid out a three-step plan for you to get, have an opportunity to serve, to use your talent, to encourage with your talk, to share your story, to give your treasure. It's here. So, here's, so here's, um, here it is. We're going to be talking about I'm going to talk about it a lot more next week. But if you'll just look at this with me for a second. The first step that it says is there's a little, there's a... Um, uh, URL, there's a website that you can go to to take a test that tells you what you could po possibly be gifted at. So some of you are going, I don't even know what I'm gifted at. Go here, take this test. It'll take you about 15 or 20 minutes. And when you're done, on the screen, it's going to pop up and say, this is something that as of today looks like you might have a gift in. It's right there. So number two says, view your results. So number one, take the test. Number two, it's written just for teenagers. It's written just for you. Number two, it says, view your results. Right on the screen, it's going to show you. you can do it on your phone. You can, you can take a screenshot of it. You can do it on the computer, whatever. And then lastly, it's sign up to serve. Then there's a link right here. Now, we got two options for this. There's a link for you to go, and you can just sign up, and it'll send an email to somebody that's going to give you a call and say, hey, you signed up. Uh, I'd like to meet you and talk to you about it. It's, it's really that simple. We've tried to make it as simple as we can. Also, Sunday morning, 
out in the foyer, out in the main area just in fr- where the Welcome Center and all that is, Sunday morning, there's going to be people out there. It's going to be like a job fair or like a ministry fair. You'll be able to go out and sign up. And so here's some different opportunities for you on the back. And we'll be talking about that a little bit more over the next few weeks. But here's, here's my response tonight. Instead of doing the altar, this is our altar. I want you to begin to pray and say, Jesus, where am I serving or where can I serve? What are you asking me to do? I'm telling you there are hidden gifts all inside of this room everywhere. And Jesus has placed them there. And we are to be archaeologists. We're to to begin to dig and discover. And you're going to, if if you're like me, you're going to do some things when you're you're in ministry. And you're going to go, oh, that's not a good fit. Great. We found out what you're probably not good at. But you keep trying new things until all of a sudden you land on something. You say, now that is awesome. And I really enjoy that. So that's our altar call tonight. Spend some time thinking about this. Read through this. Um, Sunday morning, we're going to have our, our ministry fair um, for you to, if you want to sign up. I'm going to shoot an email to your parents. If I have your parents' email and tell them that I sent you this and tell them what it's about and invite them, I'm going to probably, if you're in our system, I'm going to shoot you a text this week and just say, hey, I want you to sign up. I want you to check it out. If you're already serving somewhere, great. Keep serving. Keep on trucking. But that's what we're going to do tonight. I want to pray for you, okay? Will you do this for me? I'd like for you to hold out your hands like this. Just open them up and hold them out. Jesus, everything that we have, not just our money, but our gifts, our talents, all of those come from you. Tonight, I ask that you teach us to open our hands and to give them back to you. They're not ours to have. They're ours to steward. They're not ours to just keep for ourselves, but they're ours to share. There's nothing that you have given us that you didn't give intentionally. There are young men and women, there are boys and girls in this room that have life experience, that have opportunities that they have been able to discover already, and you're calling us to use them to serve. Tonight, will you put it in our hearts and in our minds and in our, in our spirits, our souls, that you're calling us to serve. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. I think you are amazing, and I will see you next Wednesday.